Okay, hey, fun, isn't it? Hey, so I hate to do this, but stand back up. And we, we've been sitting a lot, you know, so usually we stand and we worship the Lord. So I want to do something I never do because I hate it. But now I have the microphone, so I'm going to do it. Why don't you just, so the person next to you, just give them a big old Christmas hug. Christmas hugs. <laughs> Now's a good time to leave. I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, going about 15 minutes. I'll be done. Yeah, it's gonna be short today. I know people have to get home for the holiday. She wants to stay, but okay. Yeah, the message won't be long. Okay, so you may be seated. So. Hey, we're so happy to have everybody here. Uh, this is a great time of year just to fellowship and have friends. You know, and like I say so often, um, you know, you guys are our family, right? Yeah, we love, we love you guys. We fight with you guys sometime. You know, I can't wait to our next fight, you know, get a wrestling match with Rich. No, no, no. It's just great to be a part of the family of God and great to be here. So I'm not going to speak long. I know it's Christmas Eve and people have things to do, or some people do. Um, and uh, we want to honor that. And we usually end by five, so we're going to go a little bit longer today. So I'm going to speak for a little while, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to sing some songs by candlelight, and then there'll be dessert. So after the message, if you need to leave, we won't be angry at you. It's okay. We're, we're glad that you came here and, and are with us, but you're welcome to stay as late as you want also. So I'd like to turn our Bibles to John chapter 18. <laughs> so people make fun of me all the time on Christmas and on Easter. I never actually speak from the Christmas or Easter passages. So, and it happened again. We're in John 18, which is where Jesus is before Pilate, right? Yeah, and now my son asked me this morning, he says, what are you going to preach on? I said, John 18, and Jesus is before Pilate, and talking to Pilate, and my son says, it's not Easter. Shouldn't you speak about the birth of Jesus? He says, thank you, Elias. Next week, I'll give you the microphone, okay? But um, this passage is really interesting to me because as I was reading it, this is the only passage that you read where Jesus speaks of his birth. Here in John 18. So let's turn to John 18, starting in verse 33, and we're going to go all the way down to 37. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, and answered him, you are, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did another tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation... And the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, 
My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore answered and said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Heavenly Father, we just ask that you will be with us this Christmas season. Help us to really bring Christ back to everything. And even as we enjoy the time with our family and we enjoy the presents that we open, uh, even us younger people, the young kids up to the, us old kids, let us not forget you, Jesus, and the reason why you were born. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if we wanted to speak a normal Christmas message, we'd probably turn to Luke chapter 1 or 2, right? And we would read about angels singing. We'd read about the wise men, the shepherds. We'd read about the angels bringing messages to Mary and Joseph, also in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. But as I was reading, and I came across this passage, and I studied, and I studied, and I studied, and I said, this is the only passage where Jesus speaks of his birth. And it's not done in a weird way where he is the omniscient God who is all-powerful and speaking in third person, giving a history lesson about his birth. Of course, that might be nice to clarify a few questions we have about his birth. But he doesn't do that. But he says very simply, and he uses this word, he says, for this cause I was born. For this cause... I was born. And I was thinking of that word cause. It's so amazing, isn't it? Because as humans, don't we have a lot of causes? Anybody getting flyers in the mail to donate, you know, the end of the year money to these certain causes while it's tax deductible for this year? There's causes. In our life, there are small causes, causes that we go to work and our boss tells us what to do and we do it to make him happy. That's a cause, right? Uh, There are bigger causes, and these are areas that in our life we often struggle with. We struggle with these big causes, and we call them goals. We call them visions. We call them the five- or ten-year plan, and we struggle with those. You know, and the reality is is that we all have a cause, and we all have a reason to be alive. But the problem with our cause as humans is that we are limited, that we are finite that our capacities are so small and we find ourselves with an inability to perform the cause that we have. New Year's is coming and how many of you are going to have a cause? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to, you know, do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go on vacation finally. I'm, you know, I mean, we have all kinds of things we say and that could be used in that word cause. It can be used there. But how quickly do we neglect those causes? How quickly do we fail in the meaning or our purpose that we have given ourselves in those causes? We might do well and our boss will say, that, hey, you're a great worker. And they're saying that because you are good at performing your cause. But that only lasts so long. The budget gets tight. The the boss cuts back on the, the bonuses and cuts back on your on your salary, and all of a sudden you find yourself working a little less harder because the cause is no longer there. 
We find our humanity becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And this isn't to point the fact that we have this depravity, but it's very simply to point to the fact that we are finite beings. Like, I understand that there could be sin in our life, and that sin, what would it do? But it would defeat us in our cause and, and make it so that way we are unable to accomplish whatever we feel that we have wanted to do. We understand that. We understand addictions can destroy us. We understand relationships can destroy us. We understand churches can destroy us. It is very easy. But here's the simple fact. You don't have to be an evil sinner to be destroyed. Because and I was reading this verse, and it's Isaiah chapter 40. And this passage is so amazing to me because as I'm reading the Christmas story over and over again, John the Baptist is there, and John the Baptist is a man that is, you know, goes before Jesus, right, saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist is doing. He's preparing the way of the Lord. That passage about John the Baptist is used in Isaiah 40, and he's preparing the way of the Lord. And then we come across this passage, Isaiah 40, verse 6 and 7. And this is what Isaiah says about your flesh, your, your human being. You guys are looking nice today, dressed real nice. You know, shaved, you combed your hair. And here's what Isaiah says. He says, all flesh is grass. And all beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely all the people are grass. See, the Bible has this message throughout the entire book and is saying one simple thing. And without using, like saying that you're a sinner or you're an evil person and you're going to go to hell. I mean, beyond that, there's a simple thing that even man in all of his beauty, in all of his goodness, if there's any in him, the Bible says that we are like grass or flower and we are very quickly going to fade into nothingness. Isn't that true? So let's connect these two thoughts with this word cause. I was reading about this word cause, and it's interesting because a cause always has to be derived on what it is connected with. See, the word cause by itself means nothing, but the word cause means something when it's connected to something greater. So here I am, and I am a human being. I am a finite being, and I have a cause. But what is my cause connected to? Because what it's connected to is it tells me where my cause is derived from, and it tells me if my cause is good or not. And this is amazing because we find ourselves, because we are like grass and we wither, that even if we have a great cause, it's still connected to me. <laughs> it's still connected to me. Those New Year's resolutions, those, those things that you do when you do them so well, you know, the, they are great. They are great. Let's say it. They're great. Honestly, they are. But it's source. It's connected to your finiteness. It is connected to your limitations in your own humanity. And we find that because of that, we are beaten up over and over and over again. I take up a cause and I find myself failing. And I beat myself up. And then I dig a hole because I'm so beaten up because I failed. 
and I failed again, and I fail again, and I find myself deeper and deeper in a hole, and I'm losing my cause. But the problem is, is that the cause was sourced. It was connected to my being. It was connected to me. It was connected to grass. It was connected to flowers. Something that was so, so small. And God says, Jesus says, for this cause, for this cause I was born. For this cause I was born. See, Jesus takes up a whole another cause. And his cause is not sourced in the finiteness of humanity, but it is sourced in the infinity of who God is. It is sourced in the eternality of who God is. It is sourced in the all-powerful God who sits in the throne in heaven. That is where his cause is sourced. And actually, if you read the entire Gospel of John, what do you find? But you find that the, the, the source is sourced the cause is sourced in him. Because later on he says, for this cause I come into the world that I can bear witness of the truth. But what truth is he speaking of? Well, if you continue this whole thought through the book of John, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And you read it early in John, he says, I have come to bear witness of myself. And even if my witness is false, there is another who bears witness of me. Speaking of God, the Holy Spirit, and even his own miracles. Over and over again, we see in the entire Bible that Jesus is the truth. So now there is a cause that is sourced in something that is so greater than us. And it is, he says that for this cause, I come into the world. I was born. Another uh, writer, his name is... Uh, uh, way well, he says this about cause. By cause, we mean something that has quality, power, and efficacy, by which a state of being produces a succeeding state. Meaning this, that if there's a cause, there is a quality, power, and there is efficacy. Those three things are involved in a cause. And if the cause is right, then what happens? It produces something after the cause. So here is Jesus saying, for this cause I was born. Was, is, you know, and let's say it simply this way. Is there a quality in Jesus' birth? If you read a story, you see that there is. What I mean is that he was pure. He was holy. He was born of a virgin. He was the son of God who came to this earth. Was there quality? Yes, there was. Was there power? Yes, there was says of the shepherds that they were so amazed at the manger scene that they ran through the entire village to tell people what they saw. Eight days later, you know what happens? Jesus is going to the temple to get circumcised like the Jewish practices. And he meets um, Anna and Simeon, right? Simeon, I almost drew a blank. And Simeon. And it says that from that moment on, all those who are looking for justification, all those who are looking for redemption, Anna told them of the baby Jesus. And if his birth isn't enough to see the power that is there, then we can quickly flip to his adulthood where he does miracle after miracle after miracle. 
and it proves that he is the Son of God, that he has the authority, that he has the power. And we read later on in the book of John that he is sitting on a, uh, he is being crucified on a cross. And if he willed it, he could have called a legion of angels to save him. But he did not. So over and over again, we see that in Jesus Christ, there is a cause. And in that cause, there is quality, there is power, and there is efficacy. There is something there. But as Jesus is talking to Pilate, he is not trying to defend himself or defend his kingdom. But what do we see? That instead of trying to assert his power, instead of trying to assert his quality of life over the Roman Empire or, or even over the Jews, instead of trying to subdue armies or nations with his own army, what do we see? We see something very simple. That his cause was that he would convert a sinner's heart and sanctify a sinful people. I kind of jumped right to the conclusion there because that is what he says when he says, I, bear te I testify of the truth. I testify the truth. You know, we sit here and we talk you know, like nobody knew that Jesus was going to die on the cross. Nobody knew that he was there for a savior for, for people's sins. They all thought that he might be a world power ruler and defeat the Roman Empire. But you know what? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Joseph has a dream by the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says this, that he will save his people from their sins. What is that? That is the gospel. That is the truth. He didn't say he will save his people from the Roman Empire. He says sins. This is to Joseph. You read the story of Mary. She doesn't get that revelation. Joseph gets that revelation. You continue to read in Luke chapter 1, verse 77, when Zechariah is actually prophesying. He can finally talk again after nine months. And he talks a lot and he prophesies. And he says that Jesus will be the one who brings remissions, remission of sins. Luke chapter 2, verse 30, Simeon the priest says, My eyes have seen my salvation. A few verses after, verse 38, this is Anna the, priest, the priestess said, That I will speak to about him to all who are looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Do you think it was a secret that Jesus would die on the cross? Do you think it was a secret that he came not to raise up armies and defeat you know, nations, not to raise up armies and to become a world leader and a world power that would die in 70 years or whatever and be done and kaput, it's over. No, Jesus' cause was much larger than, you know, redeeming a nation. Jesus' cause was redeeming you. And we all are all full of sin. We're all, I mean, maybe you're not that bad of a human being. I understand. I'm not calling you all like evil people. But the, the truth is, is that we're all sinners. Different levels of sin, but we're all sinners. But even if you were a good human being, you would still find yourself that you are a grass. You are a flower. And you are going to die. And you are limited by your own strength, by your own mental capacity, by your own spiritual capacity, by your own physical, you know, you are limited because you are human. You are designed to be completely dependent upon Christ. And the cause that Christ took up wasn't 
to be a good man, to be a good world leader, to do this or to that, but it was to redeem us and to sanctify us from our sins. Jesus himself says it in closing. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 20. And he is quoting Isaiah 61, right? It says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. Now listen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What's the good news? That he would die and sanctify. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. And at that time, the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And listen to this. All eyes in the synagogue were on him intentively. Isn't that amazing? Jesus himself is showing, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. I am here so that way the blind can see. I am here so that way the captives can be released. I am here to preach the good news to the poor. I am here for something so much more than what you think I'm here for. And why were they so intently looking upon Jesus? And it says because he had authority. There was a presence of God was with him because he was God. And they needed to hear that truth. Because in John chapter 18, Pilate kind of mocks Jesus, doesn't he? He says, truth. (laughs) What is truth? He's living in the Roman Empire. There is no truth. (laughs) It is built on lies. I mean, if you want authority, you lie to get the authority. I mean, over and over again, there is no truth there. And he questions, what is truth? We live in a world today where people ask the same question. What is truth? This true? Is this true? Is this true? Who says it's true? Well, it's my truth. That's like the news statement. It's my truth. No, no. Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. There is a truth. And that truth is very simply that Jesus was born for this cause. To bring redemption to us. And today in your life, there might be different things going on. And I encourage you at this season... You know, make a commitment with God that you want to draw close to him, that you want to get to know him, that you, that you want him to be a part of your life, not just on Christmas, but on every single day. Because on every single day, what do we need? We need redemption. I wake up in the morning before my bed. I have my feet even leave the bed. I need, I need salvation. <laughs> now, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know that. But even before I get out of my bed, I need to be saved. <laughs> I need redemption. I need Jesus in my life. I don't need a good church. You should get one. But I don't need a good church. I don't need good programs. I don't need a good Sunday school. I don't need a good worship team. Thank you, guys. You know, I don't need all this stuff. What I need is Jesus. And I love the book of Acts. Because in simplicity, like, like tonight, you read Acts chapter 2. They were sitting in a room, probably this size, a few more people, and they were eating and waiting for the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit came. They didn't have a worship service like this. You know, they didn't have great food like this. It was just people who were hungry for God, who needed to know about his redemption. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll sing some carols to the worship team, and then eat pie.
Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We could preach for hours, actually. If it wasn't Christmas Eve, I might. But we just love this message, and we are so thankful that it was for this cause that you were born. It was for this cause. And we ask that you'll speak to our hearts, that any truth that we have in our life that, you know, kind of trumps your truth, we ask that you will bury it, you'll help us rid of it, and that your truth, your truth will reign in my heart, that your reality will reign. Bring healing in our hearts. Bring redemption in our hearts, in our relationships. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said, amen. amen.